CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Hello, everyone. Ben Carson here, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense. How often are you watching television or listening to the radio and you say, What in the world are they talking about? Where has common sense gone? You know, I'm very much hoping that historians. In the future, we'll look back on this time period and say we just temporarily lost our minds. Hopefully, it's only temporary and uh, things are going to get better. But we're going to be talking a little bit about more common sense today. And uh, we have a terrific guest. We're going to be talking about the exercise of the First Amendment, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. One of the reasons that so many people came to America early on is because they were being persecuted in their own countries because of their religion. They wanted to be able to worship the way that they wanted to worship. And our founders thought that that was a great ideal to the point that the very first amendment to our Constitution dealt with the freedom of expression of your religious nature. Think about that as we go through the program today. Now, what we've been seeing is a growing animus of the federal government to religious expression. And that's a real problem. Today, we're going to be talking to Coach Joe Kennedy. Some of you have heard that name. He was the football, high school football coach who was fired because he prayed. After the games, you know, he had made a commitment to God. He would thank him. Win, lose, or draw, didn't matter. He would kneel down and pray. Some of the players sort of thought that was cool, and they wanted to kneel and pray with him. And uh, it went along pretty well for a while, and then all of a sudden... The district superintendent said, you can't do that. Somehow it's a violation of separation of church and state, which, by the way, is not a part of the Constitution. Just put that straight. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the case escalated. Fortunately, you know, Joe Kennedy is not one of those people who just lays down and says, okay, walk all over me, no problem. 
Uh, he's courageous. He's been engaged in a long fight to rectify the situation. And the case has already had preliminary hearings in the United States Supreme Court. And uh, obviously, the final decision has not been made yet. But uh, today, uh, Coach Joe Kennedy, we are so honored to have you with us. And uh, I'd be really interested in your early upbringing, because I think it was a little bit unusual. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely, and thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of yours, so thank you for the blessing to talk to you. Uh, I was born in Bremerton, Washington, and it's a um, Navy town, so it's a blue-collar uh, military town, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of good hard-working people but when you have that kind of environment you have a lot of single families you have uh, not a whole lot of money in and out of there so it was uh, it's kind of a tough rough town which um, is kind of the way that I grew up I, I was uh, adopted at birth from um, my mom had to give me up for adoption uh, she was a teenager so she put me up for adoption and uh, a family, they went and uh, they couldn't have kids, so they adopted a girl, and then about a year later, they adopted me. And they're good Catholic people, so, you know, they have to have lots of kids. And they then all of a sudden, they started popping out kids, and they had five kids of their own. So they really didn't need us much. And, um, yeah, I took a real bad turn um, starting probably about age seven or eight. I started getting in a lot of trouble, uh, became angry, um, didn't really have any father figures in my life. Uh, I had no respect for anybody. I was huge discipline problem. And I was probably the biggest uh, jerk and one of those kids that you would not want your kids around for darn sure. I don't want my kids in, around anybody like me. And that's the way I, I grew up for the longest time. I was in, in and out of group homes and foster homes. I was at a boy's home. And eventually I finally joined the Marine Corps after I graduated from Bremerton High School. And I spent 20 years in the Marines. Wow. And then you came back to Bremerton. Yeah, I felt like I had to give back to my community. I caused so much uh, grief for all the people in my life during that time. And I, I needed to be able to rectify some of that. I, I don't know if uh, penance is a real thing, but I felt like I really needed to be able to give back to my community and be able to help kids that are in the same shoes I was, where I wasn't, you know, I was left behind. So that wasn't good. And I didn't want any other kid to go through that. And seemed like uh, the coaching was a perfect way to do it, and God called me to do it. And, you know, what am I going to do, argue with him? <laughs> yeah, that usually doesn't work out too well. Yeah. Um, well, did, have you met your, your biological mother? I did. It was really crazy. Uh, my son wanted to find out who my biological mother was, and we petitioned uh, the courts up in Washington. They opened all the adoptions all the sealed and private ones if we wanted to. So I submitted it. I had really no desire to find out who it was. I haven't had any parents. I really didn't need any parents, but it was important to my son. So I sent it in, got her name and address, and she lived in the next town over. I gave it to my son and he drove out there that day and introduced himself. So <laughs> yeah, I, I instantly found out who she was. Uh, we got to know each other and 
I would say probably a year after we met, her and her husband adopted me back. So here's a 47-year-old man who is being adopted by his biological mom. <laughs> now, that's pretty cool, I must admit. But uh, that, that probably makes you even into a better coach because you've had a chance to sort of understand how vitally important the football is in some people's lives because the other parts of their lives are not particularly fulfilling. And in many cases, you were probably the figure that they look up to and, and gained inspiration from. And that's a, that's a very lofty responsibility, no question about it. Yeah, that's the one I really took to heart. And I wasn't a one of those coaches that's all about the X's and O's. I don't know a whole lot about football. Never have, probably never will. I was more focused on the actual people that were doing the X's and O's. So I wanted to get the most out of the young men, help them become better young men, and perform to the peak of their abilities. Well, now, how did uh, you, I, I take it you didn't play uh, football? Not when I was in high school, I was really small. I was uh, 4'10 till my sophomore year. So I was just a little guy with a <laughs> real anger complex. So a little man, I was always fighting everybody and sports didn't want me. The only one that would take me was wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I did play a little bit in the Marine Corps uh, for two years I played, but that was more like an organized um, bashing everybody's head kind of game. Right. Well, it reminds me of me when I... When I entered high school, I was 5'1", and uh, I had sort of given up the idea of it growing. I just said, you're a shrimp, and you're going to be a shrimp. And uh, the summer of my sophomore year, I grew 10-plus inches, and uh, it was amazing. When I came back the next fall, the girl who sat next to me in homeroom, she was 5'2", and she used to lord it over me. And I looked down and I said, hi there, Joyce. <laughs> it was a wonderful <laughs> feeling. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I love those moments. That's right. But, but how, how did you end up being a football coach? That is the weirdest thing. And I always say that God's got a weird sense of humor because I was not a good um, Christian. I wasn't a churchgoer. I'm still not a good Christian, but I wasn't even a good um person at the time uh, when my wife and I got married after right after I got out of the Marine Corps I wasn't walking with the Lord I didn't have any any thoughts of it and she kind of led me that way and from there she started working at the Bremerton School District and they started pursuing they needed coaches and they knew my background I was good at uh, developing young men uh, in the Marines I did it for years I was a training uh, kind of guy. I, I'm really good at training people to do whatever and getting the most out of them. And that's what our program was missing. So the coaches, they really just hired me on faith that, hey, I'm going to do something different with the kids than the X's and O's because we had some of the best coaches. Um, one of them used to play for the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. So we have all kinds of talent on the football team. But Nobody wanted to focus on just the kids, and that's where I fit in. Wow. Did, uh, did the team, while you were coaching, did the teams ever end up playing in any championship games? Uh, we went to the playoffs a couple times, and we went undefeated one year. 
but that was it. And <laughs> it was, you know, it's interesting to see the, the, the difference between varsity and junior varsity. I was a head coach of the junior varsity and just an assistant coach for the varsity. So my job was also to train those young men to become the varsity players and the team captains. And we set up programs for them to learn how to, you know, develop into team captains. And that was a great program for them, and it was it was really awesome. It was a great thing to do, and I I loved it. It was the best thing in the world for me. Wow. Now, my understanding is that you, at some point, decided that you would pray after each game, win, lose, or draw. How did you come to that? It was right after, really, it was right after I accepted um, God into my life. I, I wasn't doing well in my marriage. Um, my wife had a lot of barriers. She was abused when she was a kid. So she had a lot of uh, a lot of things she needed to work through. And I there was no way I could help her. I couldn't reach her the way I was going. So I fell to my knees. I asked God, I was like, hey, you take care of me and my wife and I will give you anything. Well, I gave him my life. I didn't know that... But uh, I don't know, not even six months later, uh, I applied for the job. This, um, what is he, the athletic director? He came and said, Hey, Denise, my wife, hey, Denise, is your husband still interested in coaching? We have this opening. So I said, Fine, I'll, I'll apply. I went to the interview and they offered me the job on a Friday. Well, I went home and said, you know, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to talk to my family. And I had two kids at the high school, so I didn't want to bombard them, you know, seeing me at home and at school. And I said, give me the weekend to talk to my family about it. In the middle of the night, I was watching, just flipping through the channels. And this movie came on, Facing the Giants. And it was an answered prayer. You know, God has knocked me on my knees a few times and it takes a lot to knock me to my knees where, you know, I get emotional, but oh my God, I have never felt anything like that. And it was an answered call. Just, I mean, you can't get any more clear. And just like in the movie that the coach was going through things in his life and he was dedicating his life to the Lord. I said, that's what I'm going to do. Win or lose after every game, I'm going to give you the glory. And that's what I did. I said, I was going to do it right there on the field of battle. And that's where I started. The very first game I went out, after I shook hands with the other teams and the coaches, I just took a knee, said, thanks, God. I'm not a great prayer kind of guy, so it was really short. But it was it was a real thankfulness of being able to be part of those kids' lives and for what they did on the football field. And that's what my prayers were. And it was no problem, right? Oh, no, there was, yeah. Yeah, I, that went on for about six months before... Um, some of the kids, like you said in the in the intro, is a couple of the kids came over and said, Coach, what are you doing out there? I said, I, I'm, I'm just thanking God for what you guys did. And they said, can we join you? And I said, well, of course, this is a free country. You can do whatever you want to do. And they started coming out. Then more kids came out and it was, it was hit and miss. Uh, you know, if you get your butt kicked by 60 points, they're not wanting to thank God or thank anybody. They just want to lick their wounds and go home. Thank they so, know that they're still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I was thankful. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so, but it, it kind of grew over the years. And then in the last uh, few years, because I, I, this went on for eight years, I coached uh, at Bremerton High School. And in my eighth year, 
it was um, almost the whole team. And they started, one of the, my team captains came up and said, Coach, can we invite the other team? And I was like, man, this is your team. You guys, you're the leaders. You do what you want to do. So they started inviting the other team. And I can't tell you what an uh, amazing thing that is to see these kids all sitting there intertwined and placing their hands on each other and, and all taking a knee together and just being thankful for being able to play that sport. Sportsmanship was so awesome right after that moment. All the hard feelings and, you know, bad emotions that you have, you know, especially as a kid, you know, those young men. So that went on for eight years. How many would there be sometimes? You know, I had 60 on my football team. Um, sometimes the other team had 60 to 100. So, I don't know, maybe 100, wow. 150 max. So it was and it was, it was hit and miss. No wonder it drew attention, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that it didn't draw attention until the last year. And the attention that it gained was one of the administrators from another school district saw what we did and they complimented the principal and said, hey, I just want to tell you what your football program is doing is really awesome. So that's what it all started. It started as a compliment. And of course, they have to investigate what the compliment was about. And then, like you said, the establishment clause kind of got in the way and yeah, it became this big fight. Wow. Now, what happened? The, the superintendent sent you a letter and asked you to desist? Yes, yeah, they'd sent a couple letters. The first letter was, hey, we just, we appreciate what you do. You could pray even while you're on duty as long as you, you know, doesn't interfere with your job duties. Well, it wasn't affecting my job duties. It was a 15 second prayer. Well, that wasn't good enough. Then they started moving the goalpost and they said, hey, just don't pray with the kids. And I said, well, that's unfortunate, but okay, you know, your school, your rules. And so I worked it out with my team. When they went to go off to do the fight song, I would just take a knee and thanks. So there was no miscommunication of this is my private prayer just to God, which is actually a lot easier on me because I don't have to make up anything. I could be grateful all by myself without having anybody else around. I had that one-on-one -on -one moment. And then uh, they said, well, we could still see you and you can't, you got to pick between your job and, and praying. And that's when First Liberty got involved and I needed lawyers because I, there's no way I, I could fight the government or school district. Wow, that's amazing. Well, we're going to have to take a little break, everybody. Uh, and I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat. You want to find out what happened here. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. 
Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we're back with uh, Coach Joe Kennedy uh, talking about religious liberty something that is so vitally important in our country. When you stop and think about the founding of our nation and what John Adams said, he said, our constitution is for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. You look at the fact that every coin in our pocket, and every bill in our wallet says, in God we trust. Our founding document, Declaration of Independence, talked about certain unalienable rights given to us by our Creator, a.k.a. God. And yet, we find ourselves in a situation where public officials are saying, you're doing something wrong if you're praying. If you're praying where they can see you. They said, you can pray, but don't let us see you. Now, how in the world is that respecting freedom of religion and freedom of expression? And I'm sure you must have said that to them. And, and what was their response? Well, it was interesting that we, when we first started talking, these people are friends of mine. We've been working together for almost a decade. And I mean, even the superintendent, he goes to the same church as I do. So this was an awkward situation. And we really, really did work trying to figure out how to navigate this whole mess. And the media was involved. And of course, they're risk adverse. And they just thought it'd be easier just to eliminate everything. And that's where I had to draw the line. And I, I agreed not to do it with the kids. I didn't let it interfere with my job duties. I tried to abide by everything. But when they, they it's like they crossed the line and they said when they were removing my rights as an American, it rubbed me so wrong, especially as a Marine, not so much as, as a Christian, because it doesn't change my faith. But man, as a Marine, it really rubbed me the wrong way. I fought and my brothers and sisters have died, you know, for the, to support and defend the Constitution in the United States. And it means something to me, especially after 20 years of doing it, that I, I should be able to exercise those rights too. Not that I have any more of a right, but I should have the rights as every other American. And there was, there was never any coercion or anything on behalf of the students. They voluntarily came over and joined you. They actually asked to be included. Is that correct? That is correct. And I challenged everybody at the beginning because there was part of the investigation. I said, find somebody who, who felt coerced into it or felt like they were being pressured. Just find one. I coached for eight years, 60 kids on a team. That's a lot of opportunities to find someone and they found absolutely no one. There was no evidence whatsoever anybody felt forced to do it. Amazing. Well, you know, one of their arguments, of course, is that if you have somebody who's a Christian and has a Christian worldview and they're in a position of authority, then they will try to make other people comply uh, with their religious views. Whether there's evidence of it or not, 
that's what they say. But what is the, the logical extension of that kind of thinking? It would be that no Christian could ever have a position of authority in anything. Because if you have people under you, their impression is that you will be trying to proselytize those people and, and make them think the way that you do. Completely not true, but that's how irrational that thinking process is. And one of the things that I did is I, I said the same thing. I was like, you know, hey, um, telling somebody they have to pray is as bad as telling somebody that they cannot pray. And that was the stance that I had the whole entire time. You know, if I was telling kids to pray, I would be absolutely dead wrong. But that would, wasn't even the case. So, yeah, I'm on your side with this. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, some of the other coaches and teachers, did any of them come to you sort of in, in private and say, we support you? There was a whole lot of people that did that. Of course, I had some that were like, "Hey, this is taken away from our, taken away from our game and the team and you know the sport we love and you know kind of riling up the the community." But overall, every seemed like most everyone was on my side, and the school district was the bad people in this. And I I did everything I could to alleviate that and try to navigate this, but. They dug in and they took a stance where it was, no, you will not so show any sign of um, religion. If you do any demonstrative uh, thing of faith, you, you will be fired. And that's what happened to me. And this is, uh, you know, if you go back historically and look at societies where religious persecution has uh, created a big problem, this is how it always starts. And I hope people realize that do the people in the community seem to grasp that concept at all? Or or were they uh, like the crowd, you know, crucify him, crucify him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they were, they were, they were wanted to, I think they, most of them wanted to crucify the school because, I mean, it's a small town and everybody knows everybody, which is really a, a good thing and a bad thing about being in a small town. Well, I was involved in raising their kids. I went to high school with all these parents, and now they have kids in high school. I had kids in high school. So we all grew up together. Our kids are growing up together, and I've been part of their lives forever. And they know that I don't care about anything else except for the well-being of their kids and doing well in everything, not just on the football field, but at home. I would stop a football game in the middle of it and then take a timeout and then have little Johnny, because he was mouthing off to mom, do, do push-ups or jumping jacks on the sideline. I love you, mom. I love you, mom, until, you know, the timeout was over and then got him back out on the field. Now, you know, these people who are creating the problem for you, uh, many of them are people who have elected positions. Is that so? How do they keep getting elected? Is, is this another case of people going into the voting booth and looking for a familiar name and saying, yep, I recognize that name. Check it off. It could be Satan. You say, I know that name. Right. And, and a lot of people don't dive into their backgrounds on who this person is. Yeah. And this is, this is really one of the reasons 
that we're in the process of losing our country because voters are not taking their responsibility seriously. They're not really investigating to see, are these people who share my values or is this just a name that I recognize? And unless people begin to do that, we're going to be in, in very big trouble uh, in the very near future. And it's, it's something. But when they first came to you uh, and started complaining, did they offer you some accommodations? I know you, you, you asked for religious accommodation. What, what did they offer you? They offered that I leave. Keep in mind that the whole thing was is they didn't want me to any of this to interfere with my job duties and, you know, take away from the team. Well, they wanted to remove me from the team, leave the football field, go across that field all the way across our practice field and into a building or go outside the stadium. I would have to leave the stadium completely and come in through a back gate and go up into the press box. So both of those were, you know, a five or 10 minute thing away from my team. And, you know, what kind of message also, what does that message say where, oh, if people see you, it's a bad thing. That's like saying Christians are bad. If you see somebody praying, it's a bad thing. So of course I wasn't, and that was not what my commitment was. My commitment was to thank God on the field of battle. And that's all it was, was just a simple thanks. And I wasn't about to give up those rights or go buy one of these accommodations, which took me away from my team and send a bad message to everybody. And it was your belief, just like, you know, people who take a knee when the national anthem is played. Um, you know, that's their belief. Do we say they can't do it? Of course not, because we're a free society, except when it comes to religion. <laughs> Yeah, we had a football team across the water. Um, it's it's historically a, um, I would say, pretty rundown school. A huge major um, my, um, amount of minorities that are there, and I mean, great kids, talented, but they're they have a rough, rough life over there in Seattle, and it's over at Garfield. Well, they wanted to them and the coaches, the the team and the coaches, they all took a knee in in protest of social injustice during the national anthem, and they made that front page. Well, they actually joined my side and wrote a letter, uh, a Mika's brief, and said, "Hey, the same, um, you know, the First Amendment applies to us in in you know taking a knee." It also applies to somebody who wants to take a knee and thanks. So I appreciate and shout out for all the guys in Garfield. Amen. Amen. Well, now, when you got fired, could you have gone to another school in the district or was it a, a district-wide proclamation? It's a statewide. It, the, the way that the court ruled and the Ninth Circuit, the way that they ruled that anyone and, you know, the Ninth Circuit covers a large area of the whole entire West Coast. And it, the way that they, they ruled was that, you know, if anybody shows any kind of display of faith, they will be fired, just like Kennedy was. And they stood by that all the way through. So that's, that's scary to think how many other schools and how many other teachers and employees, the school system employs so many people, lunch people, uh, janitors, you know, the teacher, bus drivers, you name it. Everybody is affected by this. Big, so, big yeah, claim. no one would touch me. Yeah. 
they claim that you're establishing religion. Is that, uh, is that their argument? Yeah, and also I'm a bad Christian because somewhere in the Bible it says, uh, the, way, the judge actually said the way he reads his Bible is you're not to do it in this manner, and you're supposed to go hide and do it. And so this is a federal judge is telling me I'm a bad Christian and telling me the right way to pray. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Well, you have had a preliminary hearing in the Supreme Court. What what was that like, and, and did you get any encouragement at all from listening to the arguments? I really did. It, it's so weird to see, you know, a guy from a small town and a high school football coach at that that is making headline news at the Supreme Court. It just, it, it, it still doesn't register in my mind correctly. It's like, this is all, it, it's so weird. But sitting there was just an incredible experience and to listen to the justices and Asking real, some of them asked great questions. Some of them were just ridiculous questions. You know, I compare me to Nazis and stuff like that. So I, but a couple of them, I think they they asked really good questions. And the way that we finished, my my attorney Paul, he just, I think he nailed a home run and scored that winning touchdown. And it was incredible to see the force and the common sense. The other side seemed like they were kind of floundering and they kept falling on things that were hypothetical instead of the facts. So I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic and I think they'll rule in the right way. And I don't think God would take me all the way through this just to, to lose. So I, I'm optimistic on this. So do you think this may end up with you getting your job back? That's all I've asked for. I, I believe in all my heart that that's what God wants me, to, you know, to win this battle so I could be able to be on the football field and give every American the right to be able to go out there and actually take a knee and thanks. Well, you may not have time to coach if you win this case because everybody all over the country is going to want you to come speak to their group. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'm going to go where God leads me for sure. And, you know, I really love what you do with, uh, you know, the young kids in, in high school and colleges and stuff like that, because I was a down and out kid. So I, I really want to still give back to my my communities and help all the, you know, young men and women in, in our country that are being left behind. Well, the, the fact that, uh, you know, you went through the foster system, uh, you were given up for adoption, uh, had every reason to be resentful and to be a troublemaker, but somehow you managed to get through all of that. And if you could do it, you know, a lot of other people who are in bad situations can do it too. And that's such an important example. I hope you're planning to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> It can be very helpful. I'll tell you when, when uh, you know, my life changed and everybody started saying to me, you should write a book. And I said, I don't want to write a book. Can you give me a break? And after about the 10th publisher came to me and said, you should write a book. I said, maybe I should write a book. So I wrote a book and they were really excited. They said, this will probably sell 14,000 copies, which is really good for an autobiographical book. It sold more than two million copies. Oh my God! People, people were thirsting for real examples of real people just like them who managed to get through this system. 
And you become aware of the fact that given all the problems that we see around us, we still live in a pretty great country. And maybe it's worth the fight. But uh, I just want to thank you for being in that fight, for working so hard, for being... Well, it's absolutely my pleasure. Yeah. You're going to make a, a difference in a lot of people's lives. And we'll be back for some closing thoughts in just a moment. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, we are back with Coach Kennedy. I hope you been inspired by listening to the courage that he has exhibited and the confidence that he has. One thing I'd like to to ask you is through all of this, what has become of your relationship with God? That's the greatest thing is that, you know, when you're pushed to your limits, you really know what you're made of. And when God pushes to your limits, you know where your, your relationship is and really know the way that God made you. And it's been incredible. It was so hard for me and my family. I mean, my wife was the HR director for the school district. Mm. So you can imagine how (laughs) difficult that was for her. I'm suing her and her (laughs) bosses. So it was really tough. It was hard on our marriage and, you know, enduring for seven years. That's a long time to fight, but I think it's absolutely worth it. And I have full faith and confidence and I have that peace because God, I know God has this and I know that he's got my back. He put me into this mess and I know he's going to get me out of it. Absolutely. And he never gives you anything that's too tough to handle because he always gives you what you need in order to make sure. He never leaves you out there hanging. But, uh, you know, I, c- I can remember uh, sometimes when I thought he left me out there hanging. But it wasn't him, it was it was me. I remember once we were trying to sell our house. And it was during a, a time when houses were selling very well, so it shouldn't have been a problem. And we could not sell that house. No matter what we did, and someone would be on their way to see our house and they would see another house down the street and they would buy that. I mean, it just was not working out. And I would say, Lord, you know, I pay my tithe. I'm faithful. What is this? Why is this going on? 
And then somebody would say, we're buying your house, and there'd be a contract, and it would fall through. Time and time and time again, it would fall through. This went on for five years. Oh, five years Lord. houses on the market. And um, interestingly enough, I have a very good friend who's in real estate, and he'd been looking for a perfect piece of property for me uh, that would make money but require very little uh, work on my behalf. And he was just running into you know, wall after wall. And another friend of mine told me after the five years had gone by about a 1031 exchange where if you buy a more expensive piece of property and you sell a property and you get a big um, amount of money, large amount of money from it, if you don't have to pay the taxes on it, if you roll it over into another more expensive property, but you only have 45 days to do. Ooh. And five years had gone by. And I was really interested in that. And lo and behold, my friend who had been looking for all that time found a property. I found out about the 1031 exchange and the house sold for more than twice as much as we've been asking for it before. Oh, and Lord. The, Lord just, just said, the Lord just said, see, I told you I got your back. See, you don't believe me, but I, I had your back the whole time. I was making this really worthwhile for you. And yeah, he, he showed up every time, not when I wanted him to, but when I absolutely needed him to. Absolutely. That was a huge difference. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's time for us all to really pray about what's going to happen in the next phase of your case and that the, the, the justices will get some real clarity and understand the real implications. That's the part that stresses me out. It's not that if I win. I, I have no fear or any thoughts about that whatsoever. My biggest fear is not winning. And then you're going to use this against Christians and people of any faith for the next 50 years. That's that's where the pressure comes out on me is what if we lose? So I I have to have faith and and, you know, just not listen to all those negative things that you hear out there and those things in the back of your head. You, you got to focus on God and, and the positive things in life. That is the true word that you have just spoken. Thank you so much, uh, Coach, for doing that. And we're going to be uh, looking very vigorously at this case, and we're going to be praying for you and for the outcome of this and for our nation. And I hope our listeners out there have enjoyed this time we've had uh, with Coach Kennedy. And uh, please subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts uh, so that you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed it, uh, tell your friends and family uh, because we all need a dose of common sense. And I'd like to hear from you. So email me your questions. Send them to me at ben at americancornerstone.org. We'll try to answer them on the show, but keep them short. And until we meet again, please treasure the cornerstones. Faith, liberty, community, and life. <laughs>